three, four. We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the Brew Hoop podcast. We are back after a lengthy absence because when we last recorded, it was before the draft. And honestly, I didn't think they were going to draft anyone. So I just kind of figured I'm going to punt on it. But I am thankfully to be joined by my good friend, Riley Feldman. Riley, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Kyle. It's, you know, it's, it feels like there's a voice missing. Now that he's retired, he's rode off into the sunset, um, and it's gonna it's gonna be hard replacing Mitchell as the as the occasional host of the podcast. So I, I'm doing good. Um, my volleyball team has got I mean horrible, just horrible. We we were one of the worst teams last season. We played last week, got destroyed, and ironically, uh, one of the guys on the other team he looked like extremely out of shape, Pat Connaughton. So I'm gonna chalk up to the fact that I just kept staring at him. I was like. I, it was like what it was like an uncanny valley. It was like, okay, is is Pat Connaughton on the rec volleyball team I'm playing against? And did he really let himself go this summer? Um, so I'm gonna blame poor performances on that, but otherwise I'm good. Thanks. All right. And speaking of retiring, yes, we are sad to see Mitchell Maurer, co former co-managing editor of Brew Go. We do, however, have the other former co-editing manager of Brew Hoop. Adam, how's it going? I'm I'm just thankful to be here. I, I can't believe you guys wanted me back. It's, it's it's really gracious of you. What I was thinking of when I was Riley hearing Riley again tell about his volleyball stories, it does sound like even when you lose, failure is but a step on the way to success. Is that God kind of it. the mantra of the team? Yeah, when when the press interviewed me at the rec league <laughs> court after the fact, I looked really wistful and said. I talked about how Michael Jordan did not win a title every year. And so that means that I can also have bad games and it's not a failure. So I, yes. It, and I said, yes, I'm aiming to be the Michael Jordan of rec league volleyball in Minneapolis, but I'm not there yet. I'm it's a journey. You're right, Adam. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to see it and I'm happy to be back, uh, back with you guys uh, on the show. That is fair. It was kind of funny because before we record, it's like, all right, Adam, do you want to host? He's like, no, <laughs> just didn't even want to bother. He is fully retired. Fully, he, I'm surprised he is here, but we are thankful for it. So let's talk about our favorite thing. What Wait. he's back? He's back because he's he's sick. He's he's got I a honestly, sickness, yeah, and it takes really a, it takes awful. a long time to get it out of your system. During my yeah. daughter's nap yesterday, I caught up on summer league. That's freaking <laughs> sick. It's terrible of me. Well, speaking of summer league, that did happen a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks started really promising. They started two and zero. Things were looking great. Marjot looked like he was going to be the next superstar of the league. <laughs> and then the Bucks lost the following three games after. Um, I don't remember who they lost. I think the Nets, the Heat, and the Kings. So it is what it is. That's not really – we don't care about wins and losses in the summer league. Um, but we did kind of get a glimpse of some of the young players that Milwaukee has brought in. So Marjan, as we mentioned, he averaged 13.3 points, shot 42 from the field, which seems a lot lower than – what I had expected. Uh, granted, he had one terrible game, but his first two games were great. Um, only shot twenty six percent from three, so not not good either. But he shot like sixty six percent from the free throw line, which is an improvement, and also got to the free throw line a lot more. So that was uh, encouraging. 
Rookie Andre Jackson Jr., he averaged 5.4 points, 6.4 rebounds. He seemed to have a highlight play every single game, so it's encouraging to see his basketball IQ and athletic ability stand out. Uh, Chris Livingston averaged 10.6 points, which is a lot higher, 5.8 rebounds. And I think those are really the three that we care about the most. Yes, Drew Timmy was there. Taco Fall was there. There are a couple guys that were there who might make the G League team. But, Riley, what were your thoughts on the exciting Summer League action that happened in Vegas? My main thought was, um, has A.J. Green really made it to the point that he only has to show up for two Summer League games, put in a couple of threes, and then call it? I mean, I guess that's what guaranteed contract money does for you is you no longer have to stumble with the other dudes. Uh I liked Marjan's aggressiveness. I think that was the big change of last summer league versus this one. Last one, he could see not tentative per se, but trying to understand what his role was going to be. Obviously rookie, like super hyped up. And this time around, um, he had no issues at all. Like driving to the basket, a lot of like aggressive defense, good transition play. Uh, he gets threes up. He seems to still not be a great three point shooter, which is really ideally or like in an ideal world, the only way he's really going to get points, but he's, taking them at least. Um, so I think Marjan showed a marginal increase in his capabilities, probably not the leap right away that we were all expecting. You know, summer league is not, it does not make or break reputations or it's not the whole picture of what is going to come for these guys. But if you have a great summer league is better than not having a great summer league. Um, and if you can show a couple of skills, maybe it's not going to be replicable on a night to night basis, but you say, okay, now we know you're, you can kind of capably do that. Where do you build from there? Um, so I thought that was promising. Chris Livingston uh, also can't really shoot. I think we knew that though, but a lot of like high energy, high motor, which will get him some minutes, uh, whether I doubt he's going to be in a playoff rotation. Um, I'm just running through the rest. And no, I, I, a shame that Nico Mannion, whose contract situation we have no idea, it was seemed extremely confused. I wasn't sure if it was like, why is he here? Is he a warrior? Is he with like the Turkish team? Whatever. Um, a shame that nobody kind of stepped up to make a case like, oh, I could be like a deep point guard option. Like uh, Lindell Wigginton was not great uh, in terms of distribution as a point guard in his two games. He didn't play a lot, so I'll give him... Um, some slack there, but I was hoping one of these guys would kind of be like, oh, he could be an interesting guard ish option, but nobody stepped up. So I guess that's the main thing I was if I was say concerned about, like, oh, could we have found a cheap point guard. We didn't. So at least with this crew, as far as uh, Summer League goes. Yeah. Adam, you mentioned that you watched Summer League. So what were your thoughts on <laughs> the Young Bucks? Um, You know, I thought there wasn't a whole lot of fun takeaways from it. I thought I. Andre Jackson Jr. seems interesting. The The thing about him that was so strange is, I mean, he never scored at all in college. He can't shoot a lick out of the ball. What did he, what did he shoot? I'm surprised he was even at 20% from three, to be honest. Uh, Brandon, that's on, on 0.2 attempts per game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, it was rough for him. At the same time, th- there were some moments and I, I don't know what sort of configuration this means for his place in the wider Bucks roster and how he would possibly work on a team where they already have one player on the floor all the time who basically can't shoot in Giannis. But he did make some passes that, you know, were illustrative of why he was picked 
I think that early and what he was doing for UConn as a kind of a nominal point guard, apparently like you could see the vision there, whether it was a skip pass or he would get down below beneath the basket. And because he obviously doesn't have the strength or skill to finish, he's able to do, do one of the like underhand dish passes out to someone on the perimeter. So I thought there was some intriguing stuff from him and I'm curious to see how he fits on the big team. But um, other than that, his offense was just absolutely atrocious. I don't know. The the weird thing about Marjan, I'm curious about your take on this, Kyle. So I thought when he was drafted, when I was watching him, I thought, okay, I think this guy will be on the floor because it seems like he can play defense. But I would say to this point, I have not thought his defensive performance has matched up at all with like the skills that I assumed he had coming out of the G League. And I didn't really see anything in this summer league to change that. Yeah, I think in terms of defense, a lot of it was the idea that he couldn't be a wing defender. And I think a lot of it is still he's not he, – he just hasn't bulked up enough. We'll see how it is this year because he has bulked up a lot in the last year. And I didn't, we didn't get a lot – we didn't see a lot of that. But also with Adrian Griffin's supposed defensive style, it is going to be a lot more aggressive on ball, a lot more trying to gamble for steals, which is something that maybe Marjan could thrive in. So there is that potential now with this new defensive scheme, I think, in Bud system it would have been a lot harder to kind of see it, but maybe in Adrian Griffin's, it will be. But I think the thing that really stood out to me was more, I thought he's going to be productive on offense by being kind of an off-ball cutter. And I think that's something he could do. If he can make the cut, get the pass down low, kind of bully his way into drawing a foul, then that is something he, that's something that I think will be new uh, that we'll see. In terms of him wanting to be more aggressive, I think that was encouraging. I think that's also just, getting the confidence of playing a full NBA season. So I think with Marjan, it was kind of more of a, can you handle taking on more responsibility and kind of be more of that go-to guy? Um, and I think he did pretty well in that aspect. Andre Jackson Jr., again, he's going to make plays. He's going to be a highlight reel. I He can't shoot, but that's fine. I, I just need him to do something, and he can do that. Lin Chris Livingston... Could be a chaos creator um, in terms of just on the defense. I think defensively is where I can see him kind of being more of that chaotic force um, as opposed to offense. And I'm just kind of looking. Nico Mannion did not shoot the three ball while he was one of 21. I thought I thought he was at least solid, but shit, he did not shoot the ball well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of guys like Omari Moore and J Jazzy and Gortman who I know got like some kind of deal of some type after the summer league like there, there were guys that looked interesting guys that could at least shoot off the dribble so that is potential but i just the one thing the biggest takeaway i got is i don't want to see tackle fall uh anymore because I, I he's just not good I, I i don't care about taco fall if he wasn't so tall he'd be out of the league like for good my follow-up question to you guys since you uh admittedly paid a lot more attention than i did to summer league one, how different does this team look if Jabari does is able to make it? Do you think champions? Are we talking? Was was it because let's be frank, the offense for ev pretty much everybody was horrific, and the three-point shooting very Bucksian was horrific. Does Jabari Parker change the fortunes of the Buck Summer League team? Potentially. Did Jabari that you remember. <laughs> potentially. I mean, he, he he would shoot the ball. He would he's got an offensive game, so Probably <laughs> could have at least, I think there, I don't remember which summer league game. It was like the summer league where Milwaukee just could not shoot a ball. Like it was, 
below like even Milwaukee standards. There's one game. So maybe he could have helped with that game. Would it have increased your would you have tuned into more of yes, summer yes. league if Jabari? Okay. Yes. Okay. So yes. it would have incre- piqued your interest more. I think so. And for literally no reason at all, because I know in my heart of hearts that he would he's she's just it's done. It's over. But <laughs> it just part of me was like, oh, why not? Everybody loves like a super story like that. Like, oh, that guy came back. And yeah, sure. At the time, everybody was really dogging on him and calling him like the worst human being ever. But, you know, now we want a title. So it's all good. Maybe you can come back. I would have loved to have seen that. So it's I, I'm trying to think of the last time. I, the the thing that really and obviously I would never compare any of these pe- these players to Giannis. I don't want to do that. But the thing that really sold it for me was yesterday when I was watching. They showed some brief highlights of Giannis's second year, his like only summer league he did, and he had one drive to the basket where he got he like crossed over, drove past someone, and then dunked right on someone right in their face. And I was like, dear God, <laughs> we have no one even close to doing something like that uh, on this team right now. Like there, there, it's 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 hard for these summer league teams, especially when you're picking late. Like we have to invest so much in anyone who the Bucks draft at this point because they've been so bereft of youth for so long that it it makes it basically a requirement as a fan to cling to almost anything positive that they show. So that's why it was it, it was a little dispiriting to see Marjan fall off so much after those first two games because I thought it was really cool, like you said, Kyle, to see him get aggressive. Uh, but but other than that, I mean, it's hard to feel like there was. Much else to take away. My only other note was that I think the Bucks should hire Drew Timmy as a coach for Giannis permanently to help improve him on his push shots around the paint. Because he, if Giannis was able to hit shots like Drew Timmy was hitting, uh, I think that would be that would like improve his points per game by quite a bit. So that would be my one uh, note on the team. Is there is there literally anything more bucks than every season where like if Giannis gets in the gym with Hakeem, then it's going to change everything? Or like, what if we hire Drew Timmy to come in as a personal coach for Giannis to all to really revamp his offensive game? That's the most Milwaukee Bucks like solution to that problem ever. Look, we're trying, we're trying, we've tried everything else. Hakeem is not happening apparently. It's never going to happen. So we we just got to throw stuff. We're just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks. Um, my other question I have for you guys, uh, do you hold this against Adrian Griffin in any way? So not obviously the record. Who, ca- who cares about the record? I, I don't care at all. Was there anything that you guys noted right away that seemed from like, yeah, again, it's summer league, so God knows. But was there anything you could like, you felt like you could attribute to Adrian Griffin stylistically? Did you learn anything about him as a coach, in your opinion, coming out of summer league? In, no, with, the a, like, only with thing, all the caveats. The only thing I could say is it was against the Kings game, and I think the Bucks were down like 12 points or something. It was like fourth quarter, like four or five minutes left. And they went into this full court press, which just absolutely made the Kings forget how to play basketball. And the Bucks went on a little mini run to the point that they had a chance, they had a final shot to win the game. So it wasn't it was kind of interesting to see. Like, I again, I don't know how much of this is. Adrian Griffin wanted to try and win the game as opposed to, okay, let's just do it because nothing. I don't know, but there was at least something there. Where I was like, maybe he'll, this was him wanting to dial up pressure. So I guess he's not shy of doing that, but I couldn't take too much away from his coach. Like cool that he was there, I guess, like getting a chance to kind of work on that coaching element. And especially with guys like Marjan and Andre Jackson jr. 
a good ch- a chance for them to show him what they can do. Answer, not a whole hell of a lot. All right, sorry, Adam, go ahead. Yeah, that it, it is true. Offensively, absolutely nothing. Defensively, really the only thing is, like Kyle said, seems to apply, apply a little more pressure, varies up the looks more often than I think we would have seen from Bud. He was doing zone, he was doing, you know, applying the full court pressure occasionally. Uh, I think we're probably due for more open threes than we had last year. Just if, if the pressure is going to be any indication and them teams act with actual NBA players breaking through a modicum of pressure and then finding an open shooter. But again, who knows, maybe that looks totally differently, you know, when you have actual bucks, strong defensive players working the geometry of the floor, but hard to take much away uh, from, from the summer league performance by Adrian Griffin. Yeah, that was it was summer league. So it is what it is. But the more important thing was free agency and I guess the draft. So we mentioned Andre Jackson Jr. Chris Livingston being drafted. Um, so we have them on the roster now for the next four years. Somehow Chris Livingston got two years fully guaranteed, despite being the 58th pick, and Andre Jackson got one. That's the beauty of being a club sports uh, athlete. Anyway, um, the important thing was Chris Middleton came back. Brooke Lopez came back. Jay Carano came back. Um, <laughs> Robin Lopez returned. Okay. AJ Green is back. And they signed Malik Beasley as well. So the two most important things, Chris and Brooke. Chris has a three-year, $93 million contract. Brooke has a two-year, $48 million contract, which apparently he reneged on the deal with the Rockets, which makes it all funnier. So thanks, Brooke. Um, Riley, out of the names I listed or anything, what was the biggest – what what stood out to you the most with the players that Brooks brought uh, to the squad during free agency? I was – leading the charge on the Monday morning media roundup every week to see Jay Crowder thrive in a foreign market because (laughs) he was that bad. I thought it was over. I thought it was over. And this guy has nine lives. What happens? He's, I mean, horrible, just a horrible, horrible performance in the playoffs and for like a good portion of the regular season. And it's his luck that the coach gets fired and he's like, oh, you know, that coach didn't really like me. So this one and now he he comes back. OK, great. Uh, bringing Robin Lopez back. Come on. It's that's bait. What that is to me is that is John Horst putting up some bait on the hook, seeing if I'll take it. I'm not going to take it, but it's that perturbed me deeply. Um, the Chris Middleton deal seems reasonable it's so funny in the nba because things are designed like okay if you assemble the right guys you can pay those guys like a gazillion dollars and then it's also the flip side is you have no choice but to pay these guys a million a gazillion dollars and you can't do anything with if you don't pay them so uh it seems as far as i've been told it's a discount seems like it's gonna average whatever 31 million a year which is um super reasonable for me i mean he was set to make 40 i think 31 is a reasonable number. I, I assume it's a, think it's a player option in the third year, um, which he will more than likely pick up or opt out and get another big contract. Um, and the Brook Lopez, I think for where this team is at, even though Brook is aging and he could turn into a dinosaur any second now, any day now it could just happen and we could all be there and witness it happening. But until that point, um, new coach, trying to build a new defensive philosophy. I think it makes sense that Brooke comes back. 
again, another guy that we would not be able to replace. And uh, it's unfortunate we had to pay him $24 million, but uh, if the Rockets were going to pay him an obscene amount of money as well, I guess I'm glad that we pointed up to keep him, even if that does restrict our ability around the second uh, tax apron. So um, I don't, would I say disappointing? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but it's like every free agency with this team. There's only so much we can do. So as much as I could hope, like, oh, we'll get some like exciting guys. Um, I was excited about Malik Beasley, and then I was promptly told he sucks. So I'm like, okay, well, great. <laughs> awesome. I was so confused. I was like, oh, cool. It's like he like casually has played in rotations. And I was like, yeah, he's got awful. I was like, Fuck. seriously? Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It was a fine free agency. I, nothing exciting to me. What about you, Adam? I, I'm curious. I'm curious. So, R- Riley, what what for you? What <laughs> what's like a what what would they have done that maybe would have gotten you like mildly excited? Like, what what are you um, sort of thinking of when you're thinking about what Horst might be doing with the roster to vary it? When I'm thinking about the roster, I'm thinking of a of another podcast host, right? I'm thinking of a guy who um, spent part of his summer talking about the difficulties and the travails of the heat series and how it really wasn't it wasn't on him not really it was like wow can you look at jimmy butler that's he's amazing hats off to that guy i think trading drew would have been uh and that might still happen who knows that's that would be my big thing so like i understand all the components around it and once you pay chris once you pay brooke your options for filling it out become so i i get all that it's more so i'm a bit perturbed that we're we're as of right now, running it back with, and maybe it'll change once other trades go because we're waiting on James Harden. We're waiting on um, Dame Lillard. So maybe it'll change up. But my big thing was uh, that both Drew and Chris for the moment are back is what perturbed me most. Well, what do you think about that, Kyle? I feel like the Drew question is the biggest question that we got our answer to, but I think is still will be a lingering question this season. I was underwhelmed with all of it more because I just saw this team get dog-walked by the Heat, and now basically what I'm being told is, all right, that was Bud's fault that the team got dog-walked the way it did, which, I mean, Bud definitely deserves blame. But this if there's a time to try and retool, and I get, like, you wouldn't have much financially. So, like, when Chris Middleton announced he was coming back, I was like, okay, whatever. When Brooke was announced he was coming back, I was like, all right, fine. Like, I'm not... I was not going to be upset that they were coming back, but I wasn't going to be like jumping up and down. Like Brooke, I was slightly more okay with. And then I see Jay Crowder come back. I was like, I I really was thinking he was going to be a Tbilisi, and now he's in Milwaukee. So okay, <laughs> cool. He's on a vet min, which fine could have been someone else's mess, but okay. I don't know why we're bringing Robin Lopez back. It's like I, I was like, okay, if we're not if we're going to bring Brooke back, let's get a younger big man. Who is athletic? I have been saying all the like the last Kyle. Two years. There's still one on the market. There's still one on the market. Uh, a one, Mister Wood, I believe, is still on the market. Any interest in him? If he had given me between him and Robin Lopez, I would have taken him. But I'm not. Okay. He's not taking two. <laughs> well, he's not taking three point two million. Well, give me something, okay? I we saw what this is like when we brought back Wes and George Hill. It's like we saw what happened. We know what we're gonna get. It's not like. We saw what happened with Robin, and now he's older. We didn't need to do this. So I think for me it was like that, and it's like we don't have a backup point guard. <laughs> so what, we're just going to run with 
Wendell Ling- Wigginton on his eighth two year like two way deal and <laughs> hope for the best. Like great. Uh, Malik Beasley, I mean, I'm whatever. He is a sea ball, shoot ball, and you know what? That's fine. You're coming <laughs> off the bench, take all the shots you need to. So I was I, I guess I was more underwhelmed. The only thing that made me feel better is Joe Ingles didn't come back. Uh thank you, Orlando, for giving him 22 million for two years. Like, thank you. Very happy about that. Uh Javon Carter got 20 million for three years from Chicago and West Matthews went to Atlanta for the vet minimum. I for me, I was just underwhelmed because like we need a backup point guard, someone that can like stabilize this clown car offense at times. And maybe it'll be different with Adrian Griffin. But what we're saying is everything was Bud's fault, and we're gonna run with this core for another two years, and then we're gonna completely start over. Okay. I think that is I think that is interesting. Because I have felt, at least from what I've read or listening to other people, I think people have – I am surprised how much the Bucks seem to have gotten off being destroyed over from by the Miami Heat. Um, like, I get they went to the – like, the Heat went to the finals and did all of that, but the Bucks lost in five games. And I know Giannis was hurt, but, like, that was one of the most embarrassing playoff losses imaginable. It, it, it cannot oh, – I would say it will almost never get worse than what we just experienced in the first round uh, as a Bucks fan of this Giannis team. Like, and so I think from that perspective, I, it's refreshing to hear both of you be like, why are we running it back with a team that just got destroyed? And now we're starting with a new coach who maybe he'll help, but like it's a first-time head coach. It seems like a lot to chalk up to him to be able to fix everything that was an issue last year. I agree completely, especially because the coaching search, the closing phases of it were like majorly iffy. People were like, ah, you know, I mean, sure, he made it. He's the finalist, but like, you know, Giannis likes him. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and I was like, Drew wasn't at the lunch. And so things were just kind of weird around that too, on top of that. Um, what it is, is the Milwaukee Bucks remain the most, like one of the most forgettable franchises. This has happened like after the Celtics series. We crashed out and people were like, I right. <laughs> just moved on like um, which I guess is a good thing for John Horst because he can just kind of lay back in the cut and just keep bringing dudes back. Um, but yes, I, I too am confused by the lack of criticism. And, you know, when you go out that bad, I guess there's no amount of like back talking. And also they've, they've fallen short a couple of times now at this point. Maybe you can chalk it like mostly people are going to put a bow tie on the Mike Budenholzer like, oh, that was just kind of like the nature of that team. And we'll see how it goes from here with the new staff in place. Um, but I agree completely, Adam. It's It's been very strange that either no talk at all, probably because we just got clowned in the first round. And if there is talk, it's like, yeah, you know, they're bringing them back. Okay. Great analysis. I could. I'm giving that analysis right now on the Milwaukee Basketball Podcast presented by Brew Hoopers. Uh, so that's. I'm just. Yeah. I, I think it, we're just flying under the radar for reasons that are unbeknownst to me. I think the other aspect of it is there is so much ire towards Budenholzer because it's particularly in games four and five. Those are games Milwaukee could have won had they just kept their composure and it's kind of and especially with how Game Five ended. So then it was kind of like, okay, we got to get rid of Boonholzer. Once they did, everyone's like, okay, cool. You did what we asked. We can move on. And it felt like we weren't pointing enough fingers at everyone else. It was kind of like, all right, point the finger at Bud. He's gone. Cool. We're just going to bypass Giannis being absolutely dog awful 
on the free throw line. We're just going to bypass, like, yes, we want to trade for Drew, but in order for that to happen, someone has to make a deal worth a damn. And maybe John Horse was trying. He's like, I can't get anything of value. All right, fine. But you kind of look at the rest of the team, and this is where the next question I'll ask is, do you see a trade coming? Because right now, they have like 14 guys on contract. That's not including Thanasis, who will probably get one. So is John Horst going to make a trade? And Maybe we are waiting for James Harden and Damian Lillard to kind of make their calls first, which will then make that shift. So do you think John Horst will make a trade before the season starts? I'll just ask both of you that. I, I think, think yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam, you go. Oh, you go. I, I think so. I, I, I think there I think there needs to be a little roster consolidation. I think like you said, Thanasis is gonna get a spot. And I, I, I still wonder if they're really gonna go into the year with fifteen with fifteen players. Uh and maybe they wanna, you know, dump a couple people out and bring someone in. I, I don't know who that person would be. Um, but I think there's a clear sort of between the you know Malik Beasley and Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis is really the guy that I I you know he's fine but I I think we're probably like ready to move maybe move past that a little now could he be better under Adrian Griffin where he isn't isn't forced to zone drop all the time maybe but I I, I have some questions about how much he'll last in playoff rounds he was good against Atlanta great against Phoenix but in the highest leverage playoff series the Bucks have had that went down to the wire. He was basically unplayable. So I, I, I just don't – I have some questions about his fit still. Um, and I think he's a good player who would, would be coveted by other teams. I think possibly same with Grayson Allen, who I think gets a bad rap and was actually pretty good in the Heat series um, by standards based on the Boston series the year before, which admittedly is low. But I, I think Horst will do a little bit of consolidation. Will it be an amazing trade? I don't know. I, I don't know if he's, you know, I, I think based on his track record, it could just be kind of a trade, trade those players, get someone new in who knows if they'll move the needle all that much, but I think something will happen before the season starts. Yeah. I have a depth chart written down, which will be useful in our eight man rotation exercise in a few minutes. So stay tuned for that folks. Uh, under the point guard category, I don't, I'm not even putting drew anymore. Cause I'm tired of it. I'm tired. So I, I literally, I have nobody there. I have nobody in the point guard spot. Now, Drew will start there. But as we have been shown year after year, Drew is not really. A, I appreciate Wes Matthews gassing him up as the best point guard, if not maybe the best player of all time. I appreciate Wes saying that consistently in the media. But Drew is not that. So I'm going to move him to shooting guard. Um, and that's a problem. Like, no matter how, no, no matter how gifted um of an offensive mind terry stotts is and then obviously whatever uh, adrian griffin brings the core component of the team is still going to be three guys who are not awesome dribblers or like passers they have inspired moments and they can create for themselves and they can all score for themselves but as is currently constructed i see like one direction for this offense which is right into another freaking wall uh another brick wall and it doesn't even have to necessarily be honest. We've seen it enough now where it's like, okay, each guy gets to take a turn being horrible on the offensive end of the floor. <laughs> so, and John Horse, I think he said in an interview, he's like, oh, I think, you know, we're, we're pretty confident with our ball handling on the roster. There's like enough guys, all that. 
Which I mean, yeah, it's like, well, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's enough to get them through the regular season, no doubt. But I think the real question will be, as it has been the past couple of years, is it enough to get you through the playoffs? It was enough to get us through one run, barely. Um, but it hasn't been enough to get us through two other seasons after that, after we won the title and then went out pretty sadly in both instances. So um, I too would expect some sort of consolidation. Maybe it is just a simple like, Bobby plus somebody to bring in a guard, like an actual point guardy kind of guy. Um, I don't know who that would be, but that I would kind of expect that. I don't think we're going to trade Drew. I think we're going to roll with Drew, see what happens, um, barring something insane. But I think we're going to keep most of it because they they want to try and also set up Adrian Griffin to succeed too and taking away like the lead point guard, one of your big stars, is not going to make it more cohesive for him at least now there's going to be like a certain floor that they can work off of so i think it's incentivized to keep true for the moment do you do yeah. either of you expect the the offense to improve like in the playoffs no. I, I i just yes. i don't know how that yes, you do actually, oh, okay I I like okay first i don't think there's going to be a they, trade before this make starts. the make the aj green case go for it kyle <laughs> this is the time you know what uh, that actually was going to be part of my argument no i'm just kidding um i don't expect the trade to happen before the season starts, I could see a trade deadline move where Bobby and Grayson or Bobby and Pat or someone in like two of those three guys get traded around trade deadline. I don't think it's going to happen before the season. Kind of like what you mentioned, Riley, at least have a more cohesive team that at least makes it easier. I do think the offense will get better only because I'm sure Adrian Griffin will try to make them not do a bunch of dumb stuff. Granted, these players still have a tendency of doing dumb things, but with Bud, it was kind of like, eh, whatever, just go do whatever, and it is what it is. And I don't think Adrian Griffin's necessarily going to let that happen as much because he's going to want to figure out what works best for him. He's going to want to kind of prove himself. He's not going to want – he's going to try and establish this tier because we knew, like, year one, Bud had the system. And then they were trying to make the system work. And that way it was brand new. So I was like, okay, we're going to try it. And then once it showed there was some success, it was kind of at this point, you could sleepwalk through it. And also because it was very simple and basic. We don't know what it's going to be. So I figured maybe they just won't have a bunch of games where dudes are just chucking up threes for the shits and giggles. So I think there'll be some improvement on offense only because I'm sure Adrian Griffin will actually try and coach and pay attention during regular season as opposed to Bud where he kind of knew his system would be good enough to get through the regular season, but then come playoff time, that's what I'm wondering. Plus, if he could bring AJ Green off the bench more often and shoot threes, <laughs> like that's going to help because no one else on the team could shoot threes on a consistent basis, I guess. Maybe Malik Beasley. Malik Be- also, Malik Beasley might just shoot him, like shoot Milwaukee into the games as well as shoot them out of games in the regular season. Yeah, but I hate that as that's our solution. I mean, it was like Brent Forbes, right? Like Brent Forbes will kind of shoot us into a couple of games. He helped really went a long way to winning us the Heat Series uh, three se- uh, two seasons ago now. Um, but I hate that like our solution is, oh, uh, Malik Beasley might get hot. Now that I know that he sucks, I'm like, well, I don't expect that to happen. Not really. Not sustainable. It's because so, everyone but- thinks he sucks that he's going to actually be so- okay. That's my theory <laughs> the- now. The number of seasons we've had with this team, even without Drew, where it was like, oh, well, let's just get like a fifth guy who's like a really good shooter. Or, like we just rolled through Kyle Korver, Bryn Forrest, Malik Beasley. Understandably so, because of what the construction is. 
but that means that like the core, the heart of the offense, which has had moments, but really struggles for the most part in playoffs, like consistently, no matter who the core uh, players are, like our solution is just to do it again with Malik Beasley this time and see if that gets over the top. And maybe it will be like, if the defense is good enough, you might be able to get through. But um, I, I guess I have run out of patience with the belief that we can flip it on defensively at such a high level that it doesn't matter how bad the offense is, which was the pre- the presumption in the past. Maybe it won't be now. Maybe Griffin and Stotts have some thoughts, but at its core, the way these guys are, where they are in their career, I'm not expecting Drew to come in and be a completely changed person. He's like entering his mid thirties. He is what he is like skill set wise. So that that's just my main concern is like, no matter how many bells and whistles Griffin tries to put on here, there's really only a couple ways they can play. And so other teams are going to be able to plan around that again, barring a shakeup in the roster. So I, I expect the offense to be worse. Is it going to be like catastrophic? Not at all, but um, I do expect it to be not great. Average at best, probably. Like I'd have to go look what we had last season, but okay. I, I it's I, I'm I'm just curious what it's going to be like. The frustrating part is it, it's going to feel like the whole regular season. I don't know if we'll, how much we'll be able to even account for that because, like, they were close to top five or top ten in offense under Bud for many of the years that he was there, and then obviously we know how that cratered in the playoffs. But I don't know. I I'm curious how it's going to be. What Terry Stotts is interested in employing, like. The differences we saw in offense over the years under Bud were very large structural changes. Like I'm moving this person and we're having a player in this spot instead of this spot. And then that is going to be the, you know, the the fulcrum of our offense is going to pivot around something different or so, or whatever. So it'll be curious to see like if they're running more actions, if it seems like they're running more off ball complex stuff, that's what I'm going to be interested in looking for when the season starts. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it'll be any better, but I, I should I'm know only for going the- with it can't like they might like, again. We saw Mickey Mouse lackluster. We don't care. So maybe just putting some care could improve it. I, I want to know for the record, the team's offensive rating last year is 115.4, which is good for 12th in the league. And they also took the fourth highest number of threes of any team in the league. So Maybe there is room freeze for a team that wasn't good at that will help. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, just, I don't know. I, I think the, the sorry, go ahead, Adam. Go. I'm curious about the 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 ball handling and what they're going to do there. Like like you both said, there's very few point guards on the roster now. And in Riley's case, there are zero. Um so so like and they they won't have Joe Ingles, so assu- uh, uh, you know, assuming some of that ball handling will go back to Chris Middleton, they'll run some stuff with him. Um, I am a strong, I'm a strong Joe Ingles defender. I know they couldn't pay him that much money, but I really wish he would have been back on the team. And um, whatever you want to say about the guy, he hit threes in the playoffs and scored when other people normally don't. So I I will always appreciate that. Um, but we're also I, we're know. also we're also missing Wes getting a wide open three look and then <laughs> dribbling into the paint and then getting stopped and then having to pass out and reset the offense. We're, also, we're going to be missing that as well. Also going to be missing the Javon Carter pull up three that was absolutely yeah. not necessary. <laughs> oh my god! Those are big. Those are three big hits to to what the offense. I mean, joking aside, yes, Joe Engel as a creative force, there there is no replacement. In this batch that came in, there is no replacement. 
Uh, Javon yeah. Carter was a heater that I have to assume was going to come down to earth at some point. But for his role, for his very limited role, he was like, it was just fine. Um, he was not creative enough to actually like carry real ball handling duties, but at least he was like out there. So, but I, I think that has to be pointed out. It's like the reason why you can be glum about it is the creative forces that we had that one of the big ones, the breath of fresh air, Joe Ingles is no longer here. And there's no, there is no actual replacement in this bunch that we have right now. All right. So eight man rotation, <laughs> let's do this <laughs> playoff time. It's game seven. You have eight players. Riley, who are you going to put out there? Okay, so we'll do... <laughs> I feel like I'm at... I feel like I am drove up to the drive-thru and I'm leaning out the window read, reading off the menu. Like, I'm going to take a... I'll take the starters. I'll take Drew, <laughs> Grayson, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke. Um, I will take Pat, which gets me to six. Let's do Malik for seven. Bobby for eight. That'll be my eight-man rotation. I assume that Robin will be borderline unplayable because he's a literal physical match to his brother um, (laughs) uh, without like the shooting. Jay Crowder, he's not fooling me. Even if he fooled John Horse, he's not fooling me. Um, And then Marjan is not going to do enough to be worth throwing out there. I think they'll go, they'll opt for the Beasley offense and make it work on defense over the Marjan the idea of Marjan on defense and whatever the hell he does on offense. All right, Adam. God, you know, I think what's, what's immediately uh, obvious to me is that this is way, this is uh, harder than last year because the options are worse at the end. Like we just, I would have had Wes in my top eight for most of last year. I know he was much maligned, but like he could, he could play defense and was could at least do that, um, which was a skill that was, frankly, missing in the Miami series. Um, okay, so I'm going to have the starters, but I, da, 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 da. I'm going to – okay, so I'm going to have Giannis, Drew, Chris, Brooke, and Pat as my base five. And then I'm going to go Jay Crowder. Um, I, <laughs> placing my trust in Jay Crowder, unlike you two. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting him to do something. Um, and okay. So I'm, I'm trying to project out. So I think, uh, I think Marjan's going to be in it and then, oh God. Um, I guess Grayson, that's my eight. Your your 2024 NBA finals champions, <laughs> folks, is that, is that list of real mercenary folks out there we're just i mean, I mean it seems more like it's going to be like the fi- like the championship run where you don't even have eight players that you could trust in a, oh yeah like you might have six oh yeah absolutely <laughs> okay Agreed. Right, kyle what about you all right so i will take drew chris Giannis, brooke all right that's simple i will also take pat Connaughton because pat Connaughton, for all his flaws does show up in the postseason more often than anyone else, which is shocking. I am not putting Jay Crowder. In fact, Jay Crowder is flying to San Marino during the playoffs. I don't want him anywhere near the team. He can go to San Marino and hang out there. He can go to Cyprus. He can go to Malta. He can go enjoy himself on a nice Mediterranean location. Um, So, no, we're not doing that. I forgot who I said already. Uh, I've listed five players. Okay. 
we'll throw in Malik Beasley because you don't. I, I feel like if you're going to bring him in for one reason, one reason only, you might as well give it a shot in the postseason. I will put Bobby out there in case Griffin wants to do more switching. Bobby is at least competent enough to do that. Um, and I'm going to actually go with Andre Jackson Jr. just because I feel like he's going to do something that will at least make me go, yeah, let's just give him a chance. It was either him or AJ Green. I feel like at this point, if Malik Beasley's hurt, AJ Green takes his spot, but I'll actually go with Andre Jackson Jr. just more because I think he has enough of a motor at basketball IQ that could potentially be useful in the playoffs. But it is honestly me just throwing a dart and hoping for the best. If Jay Crowder was competent, I would have put him in, but I can't trust him. Like, he might just end up in Gibraltar by February. Yeah. I, it's not it's not promising. But, so... Does Tunisia have a good basketball team? <clears throat> what, what does Tunisia look like at this time of year? Here, here's, like, the, the Steel Man case, right? Um, the Steel Man case is... Chris Middleton has finally, they've only done like a 30th operation on his knee. So he, this would, this is the one that's going to fix him. Giannis, they took a, you know, a wrench out of his knee. So that'll help him. So he'll be, he'll be good to go. Um, And Chris has, is so rejuvenated that he helps up the playmaking and he's able to carry the offense and the defense is like strong enough. Cause I, the Jimmy Butler situation was really, 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 really bad. Really, 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 really bad. But I still have to hope that in this core, somewhere in here is like that defense that has been so good in previous playoffs that I still think you can drag that out somehow. Um, so I guess it's just like the Bud years, except the Chris will be better than the previous couple of instances on a consistent basis. Giannis does like Giannis things. We also have, we should talk about. You have to consider Giannis like, okay, is he going to make more leaps? Or are we kind of like reaching a plateau with him? Um, but even if a plateau is very good, so just like a, a solid to really good defense with Chris, who is better, and maybe Drew isn't just an absolute zero on offense. Like I guess that's the steel man argument, and it won us the title before. So why couldn't it again in the future? And in, in the state that the Eastern Conference is in, it's not unreasonable to say this is still the core could get you to the finals. Like, I I don't want people to listen to this podcast and think I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to be like a second round out. I don't think that at all. I think it has the possibility talent-wise to still get to the finals. I just won't be going into this season saying they're a shoe-in or uh, they have nothing to really prove. Cause I think after these past two playoff runs, I think everybody has something to prove again. I, th- I think the benefit of the doubt for me is gone as regards the previous title team. Um, and we're kind of, we have to reprove from, from zero essentially what we're capable of, but we know that there is a floor that's still pretty good with this group. So that would be like the optimist, even if the eight man rotation isn't like awesome per se. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of knee operations, uh, Giannis had one over the summer, yet he is named to the Greece preliminary roster for the 2023 FIBA Basketball World Cup. Don't know how that happens. I don't know what he, I don't know if they're just putting him on there just to keep the PR and good graces. I don't know. Him and Thanasis are on there. Um, 
Is Giannis actually going to play in this? Do we think? I think no. I I, I don't think so. Right? I, it seems too risky. The the Greek national team coach literally came out. He's like, dude, these dudes from the Milwaukee Bucks org suck. Like, they'll just Giannis wants to play, and these guys would be like, no, you can't play. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? So, uh, I assume the Bucks staff would be like, that is absolutely not happening. They'll like tackle Giannis before he tries to check into a game. Um, I think he'll be there for spiritual leadership reasons, um, which is totally fine. But I doubt he's going to play. Though, though, I, to be fair. He had the knee operation, then went to China, and then started doing like soccer tricks, like dribbling tricks. So the knee looks good, I guess. So maybe maybe he's on a quicker healing timeline than we guess. Yeah, unless Adrian Griffin said you're not playing, I am expecting Giannis to play because this is still Giannis, and very few things will stop him from wanting to play basketball. Now I can see, I can see, the, I can see the Bucks called the coach of Greece and be like. You can only play him 20 minutes. If he plays more than 20 minutes, we will come to your house and break your kneecaps. And I don't give a damn if that is threatening or not. We are going to do it. Suki Hobson is going to poison all of your food. And then at the end of the day, before you go to bed, we are going to make sure that you get alarms going off every hour for the rest of the night. I can see that. And then and then in the daytime, Giannis is slinging candy hand delivery orders or whatever he's working with, like little packages. He's like, he's like, don't you guys love candy? I'm like, hey, man, you're almost 30. Uh, so that's the dichotomy of the Giannis experience everywhere we go. There's the lightness and the darkness all encompassed in him. Uh, I, I really went dark there. Um, do we want to talk about the in-season tournament? Do we care about the in-season tournament? Do we think the Bucks will win the in-season tournament? I you, I'm curious for your perspective, Kyle. I'm not a soccer follower, but I, I know it's like supposed to be kind of like a lot of soccer leagues have this kind of thing. So I'm curious what you think about it. I think it's not going to work because the problem with the thing with the soccer tournaments is that was based on every professional team in the country could play. So when you're thinking of like England and Spain and Germany, like when you're thinking of all these European places or just everywhere else, you're looking at over a hundred teams playing in this thing and it's just a knockout and that takes the whole freaking season. And for the bigger teams, it allows them to play younger, like younger players or guys that don't, that maybe aren't an automatic starter, give them a chance to make an impression. So it works there because there's enough, there's a lot of teams. Plus it's always cool to see like the little underdog continue to make upsets. But that's not going to work in basketball when it's just the same 30 teams in the NBA that we already see. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. I think it's whatever. Maybe if there's something that was worth winning, it would be another thing. But I think the champion just gets a trophy and then there's like a prize pool that'll be allocated to the players if they get far enough. So it's like you're not getting like a perk for the playoffs. You're not getting like a premier draft pick. Like there's no major incentive to winning it besides pride. So I don't think this, like I also don't know how it's going to be incorporated into the schedule because they'll still be played in their home markets, except for the semifinal championship, which is just going to be in Vegas, which I feel like this is just more of a test of will Vegas be caring enough to have an NBA team worth a damn in the future. So I don't love it. I think it's, kind of just whatever and i i think it's just another attempt to try and get you know tv revenue and stuff like that 
in the potential that maybe the regular season gets reduced, then this can make up for that TV revenue for regular season down the road. I also don't really care. I think it'll be fine. The first year, it's going to be sort of dorky and stupid. And we're like, wow, this is really dumb, especially when we get blown up by the horns for by 40. And that'll be like, that'll end our run towards the, um, the NBA cup. I think it'll be something that as they work out the kinks over the course of two or three seasons, assuming that it isn't just like a temporary thing to see if Vegas will support it, support a team. Um, it could be mildly interesting because part of these tournaments and like, I think of like Europa league or champions league where it's like teams that are at their highest level or whatever. And are there way you can like have this little extra tournament that starts seeding teams from previous years or whatever. Like I'll see how they develop it. I think it's going to be a, a, a non-issue, something nobody really takes note of the first season. Um, and then maybe they'll learn and build it and change it a little bit and might have some interest. Um, but it's not going to fix the fact that watching Milwaukee Bucks basketball on a Tuesday in February is still asking me to watch Milwaukee Bucks basketball <laughs> on a Tuesday in February against the Pistons or whoever. So um We'll see how it goes, but I, I don't really care. One the other. Yeah, I think the other thing is it would have been cool if they would have just had all the teams regardless of East and West like in their groups. Instead, it's just like, so we're just taking the Eastern Conference, dividing that up, and based off of the pools, it's probably going to be the Nets out of, I mean, not the Nets, the Celtics out of gr- their group, the Sixers or Cavaliers, and then the Bucks or the Heat, and then whoever finishes second. It, it, it just feels like it's kind of like I'm just re-watching the playoffs, but in the worst format. I think as a Bucks fan, I can't really care about it because it seems it's totally meaningless. Uh, and I, it's hard to, I, I won't really, it's not going to make me care about games all that much because I only really care about the games in April and May and June. But I, I think if you're like, I don't know, if you're a, ter- if your team sucks and you somehow make it to the semifinals, I could then see like some mild appeal for, for it. But uh, other than that, I, I don't really see a whole lot that, that's in it. it for teams that are in the upper echelon of the league. And we're all just kind of waiting for the playoffs. Yeah. Like if you're the Kings, like I feel like as like, the Kings would be a team that wants to take this seriously. And I think that would be kind of cool to see that happen. Or maybe if you're the Hawks and you know, you're going to be mired in like the seventh or eighth seed battle, maybe this is like a nice thing to try and play. Like I can see for some teams, like you said, Adam, like, Teams that are going to probably hover around like the six to ten, like six to play in game range of the playoff standings, but maybe they have something to play for because it's unlikely that the top teams will actually try as hard. So that could be interesting. I don't know. It just feels like we're just. It's interesting trying to, how the NBA is trying to become more like European soccer, while Major League Soccer is like, yeah, we're just going to make this as American as possible. I don't know, but we don't need to take a break because screw that Vox ain't paying us. So Riley, <laughs> you have the rapid fire section. I do. Um, I'll probably forget and still like stick some sort of ad break <laughs> in when I do post production here. So apologies, listeners, if there's just random audio here, maybe I'll just do my own ads. Who cares? Okay. Rapid fire questions. It's been a minute since we had the full podcast here. So it's going to be just a couple of questions. We'll start with a non basketball one. The situation is you guys are at the grocery store and you are blissfully alone. It's you, it's your soul, it's your thoughts. It's not your wife, and it's not your kids, kid, kids that are there with you. You're at the grocery store. 
what is your top impulse buy, knowing that nobody's going to be looking over your shoulder or, or saying, oh, really, we're going to grab that? What's your impulse buy when you're at the grocery store by yourself? Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Sour candy. <laughs> 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 okay, like a Sour Patch Kids, you grab like the Sour Patch Kids or what? What's yeah, or the, or the Harry Bow Sour Sketty. I, like, I really like oh, yeah. that. So that's okay. I would have said like those pretzels, like those like pretzels that have like the different seasoning. I would normally go with those, but the kids like those, so they'll eat it. So it's like, no, I need to buy something that's just for me that they will not eat. So Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh, yeah. Dots Honey Mustard is my other one. Ooh. That's, yeah. See, my main issue with Ben and Jerry's is like, okay, if I'm getting an impulse buy, I'm like, I know in my heart that I should be ashamed of whatever it is that I'm buying. <laughs> so like if I come home and then I bring it in because I have to put it in the freezer and then my wife sees it, she'll be like, what the hell is this? I'd be like, uh, <laughs> hard to explain. Whereas other stuff, I might be able to like, you know, stash it somewhere as necessary. Maybe I'm just, I'm there's a grocery store near work. Maybe I just grab something like that. So that's for me, the nature of the impulse buy is it has to be able to just like, be a part of my stash is all Ben and Jerry's. Would yeah, that's why I have a freezer in the basement. I put it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a cemetery of old Ben and Jerry cartons down there. Honestly, like rarely does Emma go down there. And now that we don't use it to store breast milk, it's like that's just like a whole freezer that we just have sitting there. <laughs> I hope I hope your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. OK, um, big news out of. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania this past week. Uh, Joel Embiid says that he wants, just wants to win a title. God dang it. And it could be in Philadelphia or it could be anywhere else. Adam, how many seasons does Joel Embiid have left as the Sixer until he moves on to greener pastures? Eight. <laughs> you think he's he's a lifer? You think he's going to stick around for life? He's a lot. I mean, the guy is going to stay there <laughs> and continue to avoid any heat. It, it's It's honestly incredible. Like, James Harden is doing so much work to avoid anyone criticizing Embiid again. He had like just a little bit, but then James Harden's like, hold on, Joel, I got this. Let me, let me throw out one, my, one my last assist shield. before I get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's just going to stick around forever and they're just going to keep losing. It's going to be really awesome. Two, because once <laughs> the Sixers fail this year, James Harden's already gone. Daryl Moore is going to get fired. And then whoever they bring in is going to be like, I don't want to deal with this shit. And Joel Embiid is going to have to, and everyone's going to look at Joel Embiid and be like, yeah, you want to win a title. You don't want to be here. And then the vulture talks going to happen. I give him two years. I appreciated that the uh, Philadelphia basketball website presented by members of Liberty Ballers, the comments section, like one of the top comments was like, well, at least he's not asking for an MVP trophy yet. I was like, man, people are starting to get stuck at this chick. <laughs> well, he got his MVP now, so everyone's like, okay, no, I know. I gotta uh, win. <laughs> he's so he's such a kid. You know, I'm starting to kind of turn the other way now. Like he's so oh preposterous. And you know what's the the worst part about Joel and being the reason why I really loathe him is like if Giannis were to say a, a quote like that, and he sort of does, but like, and then of course the vulture circle, like Kyle said, but like Embiid will say this, and we're like, ah, he's kind of he's kind of a goof, isn't he? And then just nobody will do anything with that is all like, that'll be, it's very, it's very frustrating as a Bucks fan that he gets away with this, but oh well. Um, okay. It's the pop culture event that's shaking and shaping the nation. Uh, Barbenheimer, Barbie Oppenheimer. Um, Kyle asked this in the staff chat, but I will publicize it here so that you guys can answer for the listeners. Barbie or Oppenheimer? Uh, 
preference between the two. Let's let's just say you can pick one. Which one are you going for? If I, if I had, my, I I know mine. I would definitely pick Oppenheimer, but I just found out that it's it's Barbie. So I found out I'm going to Barbie. So, oh, yeah. I would I would personally pick. I was like, I was like, is this a riddle? I was like, hold on. I found out that that the family's choice is Barbie. Okay. Yeah. I would probably if I had to choose. I, I was gonna say if I have to choose which one I want to see first, I'm gonna go with Barbie just because I know Oppenheimer is going to be a three hour, just beat you down mentally and emotionally, and it's just gonna you're gonna walk out questioning life. Barbie might have me questioning life, but at least I can get some fun into it. So I, I'm going to choose Barbie, but I, I cannot do the watch one and then watch the other to save it. That is insanity. Kyle, are you saying Oppenheimer gives you like Bucks Nets game three sort of vibes or game two sort of vibes? Like it's a beat down. Look, it's just I'm going to walk out of Oppenheimer the same way and feel the same way I did after game five of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021. <laughs> I'm going to have low hope. I'm going to think it's all over and someone <laughs> is probably going to be injured. <laughs> okay. Um, final question, uh, especially since Adam is back and he, he finally found a home again, Dante DiVincenzo betting on himself and it's paying off four years, 46.9 million guaranteed with the New York Knicks, both basketball questions starting with Adam this week, but I just figured he's obviously the former buck we're happiest for, right? This off season, make it big moves. Um, who's the other option? <laughs> I West Math West Matthews West having another year, <laughs> another year of professional basketball. Joe Ingles making an insane amount of money. Um, <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe Ingles getting that bag again after for this, you know, not showing a whole lot on defense. Sorry, go at him. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, that's great for him. I I couldn't think of a place that was like more well tuned. For Dante than Golden State, where he could just do his his dumb shittery over and over, and um, <laughs> like have it still work. And then he hit, he also like hit a bunch of threes last year, uh, which was you know, of course was going to happen. So you know what? Good on Dante. He's making a lot of money. I'm sure he won't probably live up to what that contract is, but you know what? The guy is like one of the few good draft picks in the last like decade. So more power to him, man. I mean, it's, it's pretty embarrassing when you're looking back on it. So good on him for making, making the mid level as one of the best bucks draft picks of the last decade. So kudos. He bet on himself and it worked and I, I, I have to applaud it. I think Thibodeau is going to love him. And that's why, oh, yeah. that's why he's going there. I mean, you could, if you were to go into a lab with Dr. Tom Thibodeau and say, okay, what elements are you going to have in here? Like the Dante would come out of the other side. It's going to be, I mean, ugly offense. It's Julius Randall. It's Dante, like not knowing what to do around Julius Randall. And everyone would be like, what the hell is happening here? Dante's going to make the occasional three crazy transition stuff. That's way harder than it needs to be doing stuff on defense. Like it's, you know, and in front of the Knicks faithful, oh my God, I can't imagine. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. He, like him only, being, sorry, go ahead. Am I the only one though who's thinking like, well, how come he didn't get injured last year? And how come Malcolm Brogdon didn't get injured more last year? Like that's got to come home to roost now, right? Like we've got to have some injuries. 
Well, everyone turned up Brogdon, so it was fine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Didn't he get didn't he get injured like late in the season again? Like, wasn't that didn't that happen to him? He was not. I don't think he was 100 percent in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Well, I take it back then. Sorry, Malcolm. Sorry, I I always forget which of you are the Brogdon defender. I'm I'm pro Brogdon, but that's okay. Yeah. Frankly, nobody wins in that debate. It's this everybody's a loser. That's the real truth behind the Malcolm Brogdon debate. (laughs) That's all I had for rapid fire this week. All right. Well, that is all because I have no film review. I know I've watched movies, but I couldn't think of any besides uh, the new Spider-Man one that I can think of. It was really good. Nine out of ten. Go watch it. The end. Um, But yeah, we will be back at some point, probably in a couple months, honestly, unless a big trade happens. But make sure to follow us at brewhoop.com where we will always have our usual content. You can follow our social media because now we have a staff that is dedicated to putting stuff on social media, especially our YouTube. So we appreciate them for that. Otherwise make sure to like subscribe and share it with all your friends. And we will talk to you sometime in the next few months.